America is live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. Herc, it is that time of year, January camp call-up time. Camp Brandon Vasquez getting the surprise. Do you remember uh, your first call-up? I do. Where uh, were you? I was in Colorado. It was for mm -hmm. Copa America uh, in Venezuela. I remember that. It was with Bob Bradley. But there was one before that. You're going to laugh at this. When I was 19 years old, I was playing for a team, not of Puebla, but in Puebla, and they received a fax from the U.S. Soccer Federation that I was on like some sort of preliminary roster for some youth national team. Nothing ever came about, but it was a fax. They used uh -huh. to fax these call-ups, so that, that's going to make you laugh, I'm sure. That's how old you are. They used to call for Hercules by fax, my man. My goodness. Do they even still... Uh, make fax machine. Nothing but facts on this edition of Football Americas. We will be covering a lot. The U.S. women's national team had their first game of the World Cup year on Tuesday against New Zealand. We'll be looking back at that. We got some big moves in Major League Soccer and talk, Herc, talk of some big moves in Liga MX. Plus, we'll be diving in on the January camp roster. But we got to start with news, Herc, and it is of the bad variety for the Mexican Football Federation. Mexico has been ordered to forfeit a pair of friendlies. They've also been given a fine of $10,000, right around that, by FIFA for using Alejandro Zendejas. Now under FIFA rules, because Zendejas had played in an official competition with the U.S. youth national teams, it was the under-17 World Cup back in 2015, he should have had to file a one-time switch in affiliation appeal in order to play for Mexico. He did not. Mexico will also forfeit three under-23 games in which Zendejas played. Zendejas, of course, one of 24 players called up by the U.S. this week. Now, in a separate ruling on Wednesday, the Mexican Federation Herc, announced that FIFA has revoked their one-match supporters ban over discriminatory chance uh, at the World Cup. So that March 26th game against Jamaica will be with fans in the CONCACAF Nations League. How about that U.S. roster? 24 players for games against Serbia next Wednesday. Colombia next Saturday. 13 could make their U.S. debuts. Lots of Mexican-Americans among the field. Jonathan Gomez, Brandon Vasquez, Alejandro Zendejas. Herc, is this trio something, nothing, or everything in the ongoing border battle for recruits? I'll add Kate Cowell to the list as well, right? One mm -hmm. of those dual nats. Mm -hmm. uh, this is everything. Now, bear with me for a second. So now people are going to say, oh, come on now. How can this be everything? These are guys getting their first cap. A lot of these guys may not pan out to be something. They're, not, maybe, they're not commits either, right? They're, not they commits, can, they're yeah. all still eligible to play for Mexico. Fair, fair, fair. Maybe the most famous dual nat right now on the Mexican-American side is Ricardo Pepe, and that started off in a rocky way, and maybe it's still some unfinished business there. But it, it is everything because how you got here. Uh, let's take for a second Brandon Vasquez. Brandon Vasquez is accepting this U.S. men's national team camp call because nobody in the Mexican Federation has picked up a phone mm. to call him. We spoke to Brandon Vasquez. You will hear from him in a bit. Brandon Vasquez at MLS Media Day when asked, hey, has anybody from Mexico reached out? Nope. Not even a phone call, not a text message, not an email, not to an agent, to nobody. That is one. Alejandro Sendejas. Alejandro Sendejas was playing these Mexican national team friendlies. They wanted to corner him before a playoff game, about to get on the bus to go play against Puebla in a playoff game. Literally, hey, before you get on the bus, sign this. 
this famous form that we were hearing of. This there was the one-time switch they were trying to sign right then and there. He said, wait a second, I'm not signing in before I get on this bus. If you want, we can talk about it later. I'll have my agents review it. We'll go through the proper channels. They try to force him to sign it. Here we are with Alejandro Sendeja, excuse me, and then Jonathan Gomez. Jonathan Gomez has kind of been teeter-tottering between both in the youth setup, right? Mm -hmm. United States men's national, there were youth national teams, Mexican youth national teams. He's here right now accepting this U.S. men's national team call, second consecutive January camp. Why? Because he wants to probably play in a U-20 World Cup. He wants to probably play in the Olympics. You're not going to get that with the Mexican national team. That's out the window with this fracaso that they had in the U-20 CONCACAF uh, uh, competition. So his hand, in a sense, is forced there. So it's everything by how you got here, by FMF being so inept, all these different things, this butterfly effect, if you will, that led these three individuals in this moment. So I see it from the different perspectives, right? For me, it's a big something, but not quite everything for the U.S. It's a big something because it is a, a, a very significant positive herc in the continuation of a trend. If you remember way before this show ever started, remember the Jonathan Gonzalez saga? Remember that? That was really like the first dual nat that felt like a, like a recruiting showdown. And Mexico won that. And then they won a couple in the LA Galaxy Academy, right? With Efra, with Julian Araujo. And you said, all right, Mexico's starting to have some David success Ochoa. in recruiting. Exactly. David Ochoa is another great name to throw in there. In starting to recruit these Mexican-American players to El Tri. And then Ricardo Pepe happened. Pepe had immediate success. You always talk about the big money transfer to Germany. And now it seems like the momentum is going all the way over to the United States. Because this isn't one guy, this isn't two guys, this is three guys. I know we count Cade Cowell, but he's been very much in the U.S. system. Surely Mexico could recruit him as well. So for me, it's not everything for the U.S., but it's a, it's a big something. And big picture, we see what the U.S. is very good at here. Greg Berhalter's got to get a lot of credit for that. They are good at recruiting. They're not just beating Mexico, though they're beating Mexico now. They're beating teams like England, we saw with Yunus Musa. From a Mexico perspective, this is bigger. To me, this is closer to everything from a Mexico perspective because this trend for Mexico of the Mexican-Americans choosing the United States is disastrous, Herc. The, the Mexican-American pool is hugely important to L3, not just because it's a massive pool of very talented players, which we know from demographic data is only going to continue to grow, but it's also players who can pick your direct rival. So if you get them, not only do you add them to your ranks, your direct rival does not. And it's, and it's even worse because, as you say, each of the three guys we're talking about, in very different ways, you can point to FMF having mismanaged these guys, that the loss of the Olympics, perhaps that costs you Gomez, not calling Brandon Vasquez, maybe that costs you him, the botch in the paperwork with Zendejas, as you say, the pressuring of Zendejas, maybe that costs you that player. But these are three players who I would say are more valuable to the Mexican national team pool than they are to the U.S. pool, and they're picking the United States. Do you disagree with me there? I don't disagree with you because it's funny. You have this discussion with people, and they're like, well, Brandon Vasquez, is he really going to start over Santiago Jimenez? You're already equating that he has to beat out Santiago Jimenez. What comes after Santiago Jimenez? Mm. Who's there? Mm. Who's waiting in line? Who's in that pool? When you talk Alejandro Sendejas, he's one of the better wingers in Mexican football. He's actually the second-leading goal scorer in the calendar year for Club America, arguably the biggest team in Mexico. So, so when you talk about these names, you talk about these players and these prospects, they can be of use 
in the Mexican national team. They could be prime players in this pool. So, yes, it does seem like not only is it a missed opportunity, but you're also uh, armando el rival. You're, you're, mm. you're get, strengthening the rival. All right, Herc, of these three, who do you think is the most likely to pick the U.S. men's national team and make a big impact? Three very different players, two at, one, at kind of a similar stage in their career. Vasquez and Dejas, both 24. The U.S. men's national team? Gomez, still very young at just 19. Yes. Who do you think of these three is most likely to pick the U.S.? Ooh. I think it's Jonathan Gomez. Hmm. Because his hand's almost forced in a way. Now, I know people don't like thinking this about this as a business decision, but when you're a dual national, it is possible to have equal love and respect for two different countries, two different cultures. And when that comes into play, it can be a business decision. Well, this process, if he wants to play U20, if he wants to be in the Olympics, if he wants to go on to bigger and better, those are good platforms for you to do so. He won't have that opportunity with the Mexican Federation, Mexican national team. He can only have that opportunity with the U.S. men's national team. So that coupled with it's a weak left back pool. There are mm. no left backs. I think is it the best case. And when you're talking about Brandon Vasquez and Alejandro Sendejas, I know it may seem a little murky right now with Alejandro Sendejas and he's with the U.S. right now. But you look at that pool, those wingers, those eights, because yep. he can play as an eight as well. With the Mexican national team, man, he could be a prime player there. And Brandon Vasquez, you don't have that type of player just laying around in, in Mexican football with those intangibles, the size, the strength, soft feet, the ability to combine, get others in. And if he's in Europe, it's going to be another player they don't have in Europe. I think those two players still have a lot to decide. But Jonathan Gomez, I think his hand may be forced. There are no left backs. Anthony Robinson, a Premier League left back. How quickly we forget. Yeah, what forget. happens when he goes down? It's searching how your quickly, desk behind him. How quickly we forget Hercules Gomez. Look, I got to be honest. I don't Please, think for I think all three of these guys are going to pick the U.S. I don't see any of them picking Mexico. In part because of everything that we discussed, right? The, the, the mistakes of the Federation in the so-called recruiting process. I think that's going to cost Mexico here on these three guys. I don't see any of the three of them ever representing Mexico in a full-time capacity. Maybe one could, I don't know, may, maybe we might see Gomez in the shirt again, but I think at the end of the day, he's going to be, you know, end up picking the United States. If you could pick one of the three, Herc, for a, from a need basis for the U.S. pool, who are you taking? Because you say Gomez is most likely. Who does the U.S. need most of the three? Gomez as well. Really? It's just a limited Who do they need pool. least? Who do they need least of the three? Mm. Brandon Vasquez. And that one hurts because I think it's, you know, I like Brandon Vasquez, but you, yep. you look at the competition right now at nine, there are a lot of goal scorers, young goal scorers already abroad um, in that pool. So it's, it's deep waters. It's a lot of fighting. I'm not saying he couldn't be something, but that's competition right there. And if you look at other positions, look at this World Cup coming off the bench and wide areas in the midfield, you were really oftentimes struggling for confidence. At least Greg Berhalter was. So uh, Sendejas maybe uh, could stake a claim there. Um, I think it's going to be much more difficult uh, for Brandon Vasquez to take that claim. All right. Speaking of Brandon Vasquez, sir, he is one of the many players that we interviewed at Major League Soccer Media Day now nine days ago. He was one of our favorite interviews as well. So let's listen in to our chat with FC Cincinnati's Brandon Vasquez. 
Brandon Vasquez, FC Cincinnati, our next guest here on Football Americas. Brandon, welcome back to the show. Thank you, thank you. What you been up to this offseason? Um, you know, just got married. Oh, uh, congratulations. 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 <laughs> I just got married. Thank yeah. you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it, appreciate it. Anything else? Any soccer stuff? Um, besides binging every World Cup game from like 6 a.m. and just uh, You're one of those dudes, huh? I feel like not everybody in MLS locker rooms are always like diehard soccer fans, but you you, you, you hate soccer players. Every single game you watch? Basically yeah. every single game. But the thing is, like, tournaments like that, that come once every four years, yeah. I'll do that. But yeah. I won't do that for, like, every game going on around the world. It also now, fit know? perfectly for an MLS player because it's your off-season, whereas usually it drops in the summer, it's the middle of your season, you can't watch all the games. This exactly. was perfect for you from exactly. a viewing standpoint. Exactly, exactly. I got time to enjoy and uh, watch it all. And it made me really miss soccer. This off-season was long, so, yeah. I, you're obviously still undecided. U.S., Mexico. What do you think both their World Cups. <laughs> I was thinking they could have used a nine. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> both of them. <laughs> both of them. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was supporting both, watching both games. I have friends that play on both, so um, yeah, of course I have to support both. And uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. You coming off a pretty good season with mm-hmm. FC Cincinnati? It was okay. It was okay. It was alright. It's alright. What's next for you? Like, obviously you want to keep growing. Uh-huh. So like on your checklist of Okay, I got to work on this. What's what are the next things? Checklists for this year probably um, debut with national team, um, break my record because I always want to best myself, um, and then hopefully I can make a jump over to Europe. That's a goal of mine. So per reports that we had read, um, Chivas was very interested in you. There was mm-hmm. interest abroad as well. Uh, I believe it was Chris Albright that said you're not going anywhere this season mm-hmm. they're focusing on an mls championship yeah uh, how real was this interest uh, abroad what can, you, what can you tell us and your thoughts on staying with cincinnati for another season yeah for sure i mean the the interest was was exciting you know i i grew up with a chivas jersey in my closet so um seeing that they put a, a big bid in for me was was exciting well, but big bid what's a big bid uh <laughs> i mean from well, my agents told me it was like seven million. Yeah, seven million. So, right. I mean, that's that's big to me. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> no, it's massive. So, um, so yeah, it was really exciting. Um, it was an honor. Um, but at the end of the day, I think um, my objective was to head over to Europe. That's the next goal on my on my list. And talking with Cincinnati, they were telling me, um, well, how, how big of a piece I am for the team. And, and uh, I love the city. I love the fans, stadium, the training ground, the coaching staff, um, my teammates. So I, I wasn't ready to leave just yet. So I want to see where we can get to with Cincinnati. It sounds like you're flattered by the Liga Mekis Chivas interest, but you want Europe. Is that fair? That's pretty much spot on. Yeah. yeah. Why is it such a difference there? Why is Europe so solely that focus for you? Um, I think for me, um, I've wanted to go over there my whole career, and being in a good moment and being able to go over there is uh, is an opportunity not a lot of people get to get to do. Um, more players nowadays than before, but um, yeah, it's still an opportunity that not a lot of players get. So um, if I can get that opportunity sooner rather than later, I'll take it. What kind of football are you looking for? What, what brand of football are you looking for in Europe? Um, 
I think my style of play, being a target striker and uh, crashing in the box and, and scoring goals off uh, off crosses service, yeah. and services, uh, England would fit me well. Germany as well, France maybe. Does it matter if it's championship, championship, Premier League? Are you good with both? I'll do both. I'll do both. Where has, because we know the, the, the interest from GVS is reported, not specifically clubs, but like leagues, where do you feel like the most interest is for you right now? Like what, what leagues are, are talking to your agents? Where, where, do you, where do you see yourself most likely to land? Um, what I've heard is Germany. Really? What I've heard is Germany. So, yeah, I, um, before I went to Atlanta United, I was actually uh, really close to going to Germany. So I started learning German, so um, so I've still been studying it. I'm ready. Okay. Ready whenever I go. <laughs> okay. He's prepared. He's prepared. All right. Let's talk a little, little bit of uh, Cincy. Cincy, uh, what you guys have been able to do in Cincinnati. Chris Albright, Pat Noonan. I guess a change in culture. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Pat's kept us at a, at a standard where, where um, even um, – after having a good season, if I take a bad touch, uh, he's still he's still on us. He's still on me about it, and uh, he keeps that standard every single training session. The intensity, and and um, I think that's exactly what uh, what pushes me to better myself, and what pushes every player to better themselves, and uh, brings us to an elite level. So I think um, as long as we keep having that, we'll be uh, successful. As a forward, oftentimes you rely on service, right? Yeah. I'm sure you felt exactly. many times in your career. I'm, it wasn't my fault. I'm on an <laughs> island. I'm not getting service. Uh huh. You got some pretty good service there right. with Brenner, with Lucho. Uh -huh. I mean, Lucho. Yes. what what a tridente! Like, yeah. can you guys? I mean, you were all in double digits last year. Yeah. Is there another level for that trio specifically? I would say yes. I think the chemistry could be even better, and we can just build off what we did last year. I mean, like you said, last year was we all did really, really well, and because we worked with worked with each other really well, um, we helped everybody succeed. Um, so as long as we keep doing that, I think we'll all have a successful year. Why do you guys mesh so well? Because as I see it, I could be totally wrong. You're you're like three very different players. Uh -huh, why, right. why, does, why does it work so well? Like you said, different players. I, I'm the hold-up striker that we look to um, when we get in trouble and uh, building from the back. And, and Lucho's that perfect player to connect to under, underneath. And he's the kind to pick out a through ball, whether it's to Brenner, to a winger, or back to me. So um, we all work really well off each other. And it's just uh, we complement each other in a really good way. So Sebi picked Cincinnati be Wooden Spoon again last year. I didn't. I didn't pick him. I, I picked Charlotte. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. Uh, when you look at one Cincinnati, wrong, it's one wrong. When, when to be you, fair, I get a lot wrong. No, we all get a lot wrong. When you look at Cincinnati and the change they made from going from Wooden Spoon to playoff team, mm -hmm. what's the one change or the piece missing right now to make you guys a contender? A championship team. You know, I think. Last year was our first year playing together with that team. And this year we have that same group, building off that same core group. So I think it's just the more time we have together, the better we're going to be. And uh, I think that's exactly what's going to happen this year. So when the team says, we're keeping this guy because we want to make a title run, that takes the expectations to me to MLS Cup or bust, kind of, right? Because the team is saying we're willing to, to turn down money for Brandon right now. MLS Cup is worth more than $7 million. Exactly, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Well, but if, if Brandon 
doesn't make that transfer, they don't get paid, right? right. So it's a, it's a big decision by the club. Do you see it that way? Do you see it this kind of like an MLS Cup or bus season for FC Cincinnati, given not just the trajectory that you guys are on, but the decisions that have been made this offseason specifically to keep you there? I wouldn't say it's um, MLS Cup or bust. You know, I think um, there's a process, and and it's building off what we did last season. Like I said, so the expectation is to reach at least where we were off, uh, where we finished off last off or last season, and um, just build off that. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, when you say it like that, it does feel like pressure on me, but. But I like the pressure. I like combining the pressure, and it uh, it only pushes me to to work even harder because I know the expectations are high for me, and uh, I don't want to let that. I don't want to let anybody down. So uh, yeah, it just pushes me to to be the best player I can be and uh, help Cincinnati win as much as possible. Alarmista. That, that if you've not met Sebastian Salazar, he, <laughs> we're looking he is. for a headline. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Talk to me about the fans, at least from a sports town perspective. Uh-huh. You feel it with. The Bengals, I could see yeah. it now with the support you guys have. There's something going on in Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati's something special, you know. Um, through every up and down that we've been through, the fans have gone out to every single game and has blown our minds away with the uh, energy and uh, the ambiance that we've had at TQL Stadium. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really grateful for the fans. The energy that they bring, it, it pushes us for more. So um, I'm excited to get back in TQL this year. All right, there he is, Brandon Vasquez of FC Cincinnati, who I will not be picking this year as my wooden spoon <laughs> choice, I promise. Brandon, All great right. to have you here on the Thank show. You Thanks for the time. Kiss of death. <laughs> Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Brendan Vasquez, a very thoughtful interview there in San Jose at MLS Media Day. What would you make of it, Herc? You know, I came away very impressed with Brendan Vasquez. We get to talk to a lot of players, um, a lot of Dolnats, a lot of Mexican-Americans, and, and he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's very self-aware of his situation, of what he wants and his goals. Uh, he's a guy that's really impressed me. And I know a lot of people see this type of season and think maybe a flash in the pan. I, I don't think so. He's got tons of intangibles. I, I think he knows his strengths. I think he knows what he needs to work on. And, and he has his sets and they're very, or his uh, goals, excuse me, and they're very clear. I like that, right? I like that. Despite the interest from Chivas, the obvious emotional tie to Chivas. Chivas is a, even from a guy wearing an America shirt, Chivas, it's a big deal for Chivas to want you. And so for him to say, 
you know, I understand why the club is saying thanks, but no thanks. But for me, it's also thanks and no thanks. That tells you about his ambition. Like, he definitely wants to be in Europe. You think he could make the jump to the Bundesliga right now? Listen, man, that big a frame, that soft of feet, good in the air, uh, decent speed, the ability to get others involved, it's a very attractive option, but he's 24 right now, so he is behind the eight ball. But I love the mentality, and if he can get there, I have no doubt that he can succeed. All right, our extended interview with Brandon Vasquez available on tomorrow's edition of the Football Americas podcast. He's one of 24 players called in by the new interim manager, Anthony Hudson. Let's take a look at the entire list. Of the 24 players, 13 of them are uncapped. We got some World Cup holdovers, quite a few of them actually. Jesus Ferreira, Kellen Acosta, Aaron Law, Walker Zimmerman, Sean Johnson as well. Herc, it's an interesting mix. It is. What's your biggest takeaway? Uh, a few really quickly is uh, I clearly on the future uh, ahead to 2026. You look at Jalen Neal, center back for the LA Galaxy. Doesn't even play for the LA Galaxy, but it's clearly they have an eye for the future here. So I, I love that about this list. It's, it's more nuanced. Um, and also, normally these January camps are a reward for these players in Major League Soccer. This isn't just Major League Soccer, but not yep. only is it not Major League Soccer, you can say, well, okay, you got an exception. You got a few guys in Scandinavia. Maybe you have a player in, in Mexico. But convincing these teams to allow these players, and not just any players, convincing a Club America who has a game, literally right before and right after this camp in Sendejas, allowing him to come by and participate here. Not only him, but look, Gaga Solonina, Matthew yep. Hoppy, Sabi, Jonathan Gomez, Rogers, uh, Paxton Aronson. Ooh, it big money move right now, allowing these players to come over, getting them to come over. This is massive. This is almost something, this isn't almost, this is something we've never seen in January camp. Yeah. So the games are the 25th against Serbia, the 28th against Colombia. Looks like Zendejas will only be available for the first of the two. He will end up going back to Club America. To your point, one of the big takeaways for me here is, is the depth. Yeah. You know, the amount of guys that you have, specifically in Europe, you're talking about these guys that are not in MLS being called in. You look up and you got somebody in Norway, you got somebody in Denmark, you got somebody in the championship in England, a very good league on this roster. I think that speaks to the great depth, if not quality, maybe it's not quality, but depth of the American pool. The other thing I think worth noting here is these two games will be played, Herc, before the January window closes. So for a couple guys in general, I think it could be a very important showcase. The Federation might be kind of throwing some guys a bone here. Somebody like a Matthew Hoppy at Middlesbrough who's, who, who maybe could use a move. Somebody like uh, Sonora, Alan Sonora, right? I'm brought who's, that up. I'm glad who, you brought that up, Sebi. Who's been linked to, like, everybody in Major League Soccer, obviously coming off a few great seasons in Argentina. But there are those players who, at this very critical time, with the window closing, a good performance might seal a big move. This could be massive for Matthew Hoppe, who struggled a bit um, after Stuart Holden cut him. I mean, excuse me, Mallorca steady, sold him. Steady, steady. Mallorca sold him. <laughs> Apologies to Middlesbrough. He's not played in the first division game in, in quite some time. So this could be a massive opportunity for him. So you're absolutely right about that. Okay, Herc, I said it was an interesting mix. Your homework was to, from that interesting mix, make an ideal 11 for the game against Serbia. Now, we've been told... My ideal. ...by folks at the Federation that the point here is bringing some of these veterans is they want to win, right? They, 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 sure. don't, they don't want to roll out just a bunch of kids and lose 
to Serbia's B team or C team or whoever shows up. So with a win in mind, give us your ideal 11. I always play to win. What are you talking about? That, Ooh, look at that. Uh, producer, get throw, my, throw my 11 up. There we go. Gaga Solalina in the back. I, Tolkien, by the way. I want to see my man. I want to see that mullet running down the left-hand side. I want to see what he's got. I know no, what Jonathan Jogo. Gomez. Listen, I know what Jogo's got. I want to see what this kid has. I want to see him up close and personal here in L.A. I will be there. Walker yeah. Zimmerman. Jalen Neal. There's a reason they brought this kid up. He's not playing much with the Galaxy, if at all. He's with the Los Dos. But I want to see what this kid is about. Uh, uh, John Jones. Very interesting for me. He can play both sides. Let's put him on the right right now. He impressed me, and you guys will see this interview um, with his mentality. Probably the best mentality we had or we experienced in that MLS media day. I don't know if you agree with me on that one, but I, I thought it was a bulletproof. Yep. Kellen yep. Acosta, you need a veteran. You need somebody who's going to be defensively sound because the two in front of him, yeah, a, a little bit of a two-way, but mostly offensive. And that's uh, Paxton Aronson, little brother of, yes, Brendan Aronson, uh, one of the better prospects of the region. And Alan Sonora. Alan Sonora, mm. and we'll, I'll mention him in a bit right now, but I'm very intrigued of what he's about, what he can do. Huge opportunity for him. Uh, Kate Cowell on the left-hand side, I'm going with some speed. Brandon Vasquez, I think is pretty much your, has to be the starter number nine. You got to see what he's about. And Alejandro Sendejas on the right-hand side. So both wingers are inverted uh, with the ability to run at you. One more vertical, the other more shifty. But Sendejas keep an eye on him. Everybody thinks he's this out-and-out -out winger. Excuse me, he, he's not. He's a central player who's found himself on the wing and been very successful. I like what you've done here. I definitely want to see Gaga Sonina, for sure. So I like that you started yeah. him and you put the World Cup guys there in the spine, right? Walker Zimmerman, Kellen Acosta, so that should I did. solidify things with all the new moving parts around it as we take a look at Herc's ideal U.S. men's national team starting 11 for the January camp friendly against Serbia on Wednesday the 25th. As you see there, one of the players in Herc's ideal U.S. Men's National Team 11 is Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones, one of the folks that we spoke to at Major League Soccer Media Day. Let's listen in to that interview. Dewan Jones, New England Revolution, next with us here on Football Americas. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us here on ESPN. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. All right, so before we get into all the soccer, tell us about your offseason, kind of what do you do between the end of 2022 and where we are at today? Yeah, so after the season ends, I take a couple of weeks off, and then I train with uh, Aaron Bird at NLT in Michigan, and he trains a lot of professionals Monday through Saturday. We do lifts three, four times a week, and then we play soccer for you know a good training session, and then at the end we play. So it's like two, three hours of soccer. So pretty, not much of an off season. Oh, yeah, well, where's the off season? <laughs> in Dude, that? it's so interesting because when the older guys come in, they talk about the rest. And when the younger guys come in, we ask about they're, the offseason. They're talking about the French Riviera. They're talking about the sunshine. <laughs> doing two days in the offseason, man. Yeah. No, I think it's just important to, you know, stay in shape. I'm trying to get better, trying to continue to grow as a player. So, you know, taking this time in the offseason to, to grow on and work on things that I need to work on, it's the perfect time. Let's talk about last season real quick in New England. What happened? <laughs> Uh, all right. I mean, <laughs> it's fair, right? You come off one great, and this happens a lot in MLS, yeah. where a team has right. a great season, then drops off. Or a team that had a terrible season comes out of nowhere to have a great season. So it's, it, it's not unheard of. Yeah. But I was surprised with what happened in New England last year. I'll admit that. Yeah, I would say that we had some tough luck with injuries. Uh, we were missing Henry Kessler for a lot of the games in the beginning. Matt Turner was hurt. And then in the summer, Gustavo was out. Dylan Barrero was out. Yeah, a couple of champions yeah. early on that you know, had just split games. Exactly. So all that 
and then it was just three games in a row where we just got smacked and then I think the confidence of the group just kind of dropped and then as the season wore on we just kind of couldn't get out of that funk you know it was tough and then just towards the end of games we weren't closing out games we'd be in great positions we'd be winning and then giving up an equalizer late or giving up a, a, a goal to lose the game late so I think we just got to straighten that out and you know be more competitive in games. You know, I'll go back not even just last season but the season before that you guys were in pole position heading into the Major League Soccer playoffs mm -hmm. and then you had like a 17 day was it 21 days how many days I think it was over 20 days yeah. over 20 day break <laughs> thanks MLS scheduling department <laughs> first round exit after that yeah uh, you talk about last season being a hit to your confidence do you think that played a role as well definitely could have you know I mean that was that was extremely tough we were having a great season um, you know most points in league history you know that's incredible mm -hmm. but that big break we had, it, it, it didn't help us at all no. um, heading in the playoffs. So it was it was tough because that definitely was a team good enough to win the MLS Cup. We started the interview talking about your offseason, your two-a-days. You're obviously motivated to improve. I'm sure that some of that is to make the New England Revolution better, but I'm sure a lot of it is to make you better. What are your next goals? Are you thinking national team? Because i got to be honest, your name comes up. There's I don't know his name, but there's one New England Revolution fan where any time I tweet about this, U.S. men's national team, I get a Dewan right. Jones message. Absolutely. Just got to call him up, call him up, call him yeah. up. I don't know if he's your agent, your cousin, or what. No. I don't know what's going on. He likens there. you to prime Danny Alves. Yeah. No, but, um, I mean, is national, team, <laughs> is national team next on your radar? Definitely. You know, with January camp coming up, I think I have a chance to go on in the camp. So Are you I on think, the roster? I don't know. I don't know. We'll no, see. He's got a chance yeah, at going to the camp. All right. My man's got that look at his eye. No, he's got I that carrot. I mean, listen, nobody does these type of workouts in the offseason unless they see the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. And, and you've got that Karen in front of you. How big How big of a motivational factor is that for you? It's great. You know, I wanted to be a part of the, the 2022 World Cup, but I didn't get the opportunity. Um, so now, you know, with the fresh slate heading into 2026, I'm excited for hopefully more opportunities to, you know, show what I can do, get my first cap, to show, you know, show the world what I can do, you know, in the U.S. jersey. I think I can really step it up even to another level. You know, if I may, um, we used the Mexican national team with Julian Araujo as a all of a sudden deep right back sure. depth chart. Right. I don't know if I could say the same for the U.S. men's national team roster. There are a lot of names. Mm. I don't know if there's a clear depth chart with said names. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in that pool? I think I can be one of the top guys. I want to be a guy getting called in consistently for the national team. But like I said, I think I need an opportunity in a game, but it starts with the camp and you know showing what I can do in camp. All right, so let's say you get called into this camp. Let's say you play some of these games. Let's say you come back in March for the Nations League. You know, it's not long a player of your age with your characteristics who, if he were to break into the national team, would start to get looks from abroad. Is that another kind of goal of yours from a career perspective to make the move to Europe? Definitely. I think that would be great just to go somewhere where soccer is the main sport, you know, learn a different culture, a new language. I think all those things are good and exciting for me as a player. You know, I want to try try new things, step out of my comfort zone, and really, you know, be fully immersed in the game. You have plenty of star power in New England, players that have played in some big leagues, different types of football. Josie Altidore, Altidore yeah. for example, that's been pretty much every top league uh, that you can think of. What is a guy like that also that knows the U.S. setup? What has he told you about where you can be? 
Yeah, I mean, it's great. A lot of all my teammates, they believe in me. Um, they're, they're telling me to keep pushing and, you know, I'll get my opportunity. So to have those guys who've been through, you know, national team, played in top leagues around the world, it's it's great to get that, that feedback from guys that are so close to you, guys that you work and train with and sweat with every day. So, you know, it's great, but, you know, I got I to gotta get there. I got to keep grinding because I know, you know, the, the window, you know, there's always a window. You got you to gotta do it when you can. It's not just his teammates that have big resumes. Okay. It's his manager as well. <laughs> who's, who's the manager? Bruce Serena. You know, you know Bruce oh. quite well. So what does Bruce tell you? Like, because I don't, I don't imagine Bruce is a guy who's handing out, like, compliments right. like candy you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. very blunt right I see all these other guys saying hey yeah keep working you're gonna be on the national team eventually like what does Bruce tell you yeah no Bruce uh you know he he's really hard on me which is good you know that means he sees more in me and he sees a lot of potential in me so you know just continuing to get better he knows that there's still things in my game I need to improve on so he's gonna keep reminding me of those he's not gonna butter me up and say hey, you're so good you know you can make the national team you know he's more the guy that's gonna be like come on improve on this don't take plays off Make sure you focus on your first touch. Make sure you focus yeah. on making the easy passes, you know. So Bruce will always give me those those things to make sure I'm, I'm staying sharp and you know, staying humble. How many times have you heard marshmallow from Bruce? You know what, I'm, actually, <laughs> give, give me your, everybody has a Bruce Arena impression. Yep, you always, you always ask for everybody. one on the show. Yeah. So guys who have played for Bruce, they have their, let's hear yours. Oh, man, all right, if I have to. <laughs> Why are we talking about the formations? It's 11 players versus 11 players. <laughs> that doesn't just sound like Bruce. That sounds like something Bruce would say. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. said that. Yeah, I've yes. heard that soundbite for sure. All right, so as we look ahead to this season for New England, yeah, what's the focus? What are the things that have to kind of come into place, aside from the injuries and, right. and kind of the obvious stuff? What are the things that have to come into place for you guys to get back to where you, you think this team should be? Yeah, I think we've just got to be more competitive this year. Too many games where we were just kind of getting beat to every 50-50 ball, mm. losing all the duels. So where does think, that come from? Like, what, yeah. I, what is that? I think maybe complacency, but we brought a lot of guys in this offseason who are hungry, ready to play. We got some young, great-looking academy players who are coming into the team. So I think everyone's going to be pushed in practice every single day to fight for your spot. And if you're not performing in the game, now we've got guys who can come off the bench and take your spot. So I think just having that competitive edge in training will help us in the games. You're not worried about your spot being taken. You're worried about taking somebody's spot elsewhere. That's that's the mentality you want from the rest of the group? Exactly. Exactly. I think if everyone's competing, you know, not against not just against their teammates, but also against, you know, competing against themselves because ultimately that's who we have to compete against, you know. So uh, if everyone's just really pushing to be their best version of themselves, I think we'll have a great chance of having a great successful season. Dewan Jones, great stuff, man, and good luck this season with the New England Revolution. Thank you guys so much. Pleasure being on. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Herc, on a scale of, who was it, Kessler to Dunseth, 
Where do we put Duan Jones' Bruce Arena impression? Oh, no. You know what? Kessler really surprised me. That was a pretty good uh, impression. But the, the best I've heard is between Brian Dunseth and Pablo Mastrani. So they, there it is. Yeah, these guys aren't there yet. Duan Jones, 25 years old, the pride of Lansing, Michigan, getting his call up to the U.S. men's national team. Let's run it back with some other members of the U.S. pool. Weston McKinney hurt with an assist as Juventus beat Monza 2-1 in the round of 16 of the Italian Cup. Listen, for some reason he plays really well outside uh, on the right-hand side. He can whip in a good ball. He's got a good engine. He finds himself there a, a bunch of times. He's got that ability, uh, but I don't want to see him there. I want to see him centrally. I want to see him getting into that. Weston McKinney and Juventus through to the quarterfinals of the Coppa Italia. Chris Richards gets his first Premier League start for Crystal Palace, and it comes in a 1-1 draw against Manchester United, Herc. How about that? Patrick Vieira, now he's fully fit. We know he's a good defender, and he can play for us whenever we want to build out of the back. So we just need to build his confidence now. The quality is there. First it start, a not a bad outing. Penalty shout right here uh, on get Chris up. Richards. Get up. Greg Burley said it was a penalty. What do you say? Who? <laughs> the FA Cup leads United with a big 5-2 win over Cardiff City in their third round replay. Big win for Leeds United, and even bigger win for Jesse Marsh, who had been <laughs> under pressure with Leeds struggling in the Premier League. Right now, just two points above the relegation zone. After the game, Jesse Marsh taking a moment to hit back at his critics. Feels a big night for you. I think for us, uh, you know, I feel like it's a big night for us. And the players have felt more confident and more belief in what we're trying to achieve. I think they're, they've been clear, um, but we haven't always been able to get the points. So it, it puts stress into the environment. However, on the inside, and you know, even there was some reports, the ridiculous reports this week that like the players are against me, and this is a bunch of BS, right? Like here we are totally been together from day one, and that's one of the things I love about being here is that we're so unified on the inside from top to bottom. So, you know, I just want the players to be rewarded for their work and for their belief, and so that's what we got today. Fourth round of the FA Cup coming up in late January. Look at that game on the 27th. Manchester City against Arsenal. What a showdown that will be. I think there's something like 11 games on the 28th. But Arsenal-Manchester City not to be missed as the FA Cup continues exclusively here on ESPN+. Kirk, let's turn our attention to the U.S. Women's National Team opening their 2023 schedule against the World Cup co-host New Zealand in the first of two against the Football Ferns. They'll play again on Friday. Scoreless at the half. 52nd minute, 1-0 Mallory Swanson, formerly Mallory Pugh with the goal. Yeah, getting used to it. This is a golazo. Just redirects, no power, just a little redirection right there. Good ball by Rodman, 1-0. Producer Beto was saying no more Pew Pew Pew. She said after the game, we can still do it. 60th minute, some Rose Lavelle magic to back heel to Alex Morgan. Taquito! Like, how do you set this up and you're not even looking between two players? Three if you want to add the defender that tried to catch Alex Morgan and then slots at home. Three minutes after that, another beautiful assist, this time from Ashley Sanchez. 
to Swanson for her brace. Yeah, Swanson just using her speed right there, very direct. Eliminates the goalkeeper, she's out of the picture, and then just easy. 3-0, U.S. rolling at that point, 74th minute. Lynn Williams off a long injury layoff, good header. Yeah, another ball by Rodman right there. It's a good header, it catches a goalkeeper. I mean, never had a chance at it, and it's a route. Final score on this one, 4-0. Let's get some more post-game reaction. Yeah, I think that I, at halftime, we just kind of needed to come together. I felt like the energy was a little bit low, um, and there were just some things like tactically that we needed to fix, and um, I think coming out into the second half, we did that, and it was a completely different game. You know, uh, coming off of a long break, the players are off-season, they haven't played games, uh, they haven't even trained in a team environment. We knew, we expected uh, the energy to be a little different, which uh, which is okay. Uh, you know, there were, uh, like Mel said, there were a couple of things that we, we had to adjust uh, tactically. We're, and uh, I thought we did a very good job, uh, especially in the beginning of the, of the second half, and we turned the game around with, uh, uh, with those adjustments. Okay, Herc, time to hand out a grade for the U.S. women's national team in their first test of a World Cup year. I'm going to hand out the grade here, but can I preface this grade first? Sure. It's a World Cup year, so the standard has to be higher, right? Okay. The standard has to yeah, be very, very high. Sacando el paraguas, what's going on here? I'm going to be strict. I'm going to be okay. harsh here. I know it was a 4-0 victory, but I'm giving the U.S. women a C+. Now, some people will say, oh, that's a terrible grade. Let me just tell you, folks, a C is okay. All right, it's not a terrible grade. It's average. In your house. It's average. It gets the job done, especially six months from the World Cup. I'm not setting off any panic alarms here, but I'm being honest, Herc. I am very nervous about this team in a World Cup year. One. The thing that most bothered me, that most worried me about the U.S. women in 2022 was the lack of finishing, okay? And we saw that in this game against New Zealand. They dominate the first half, cannot score a goal. The first goal doesn't come till the 52nd minute. Beyond that, I'm really starting to be worried, Herc, about this midfield. And it's not necessarily the personnel, because I think we know who the people are going to be, but it's how it functions. I think it's clear that Andy Sullivan has to be on the field, but I think it's also clear that Andy Sullivan is not Julie Ertz. She cannot do that six job by herself. So there what does that mean? Does that mean Lindsay Horan has to drop back and she has to be a little bit more defensive? I don't think Lindsay Horan was at her best against New Zealand the other night. It's one game. I'm not worried with a, a quality player like Lindsay Horan. The other big issue in that midfield is we're not getting news, and the little news that we are getting about Sam Mewis is not very good. And if you remember her two years ago, you always talk about this, that the ESPNFC top 50 rankings. Sam Mewis was the number one player, and I'm starting to seriously doubt if she's going to be available for this World Cup. So I look at those two things, the finishing and the midfield, and I'm starting to get nervous. Real quick, why the plus? You got goals from your goal scores. No Sophia Smith, your wide player who's most likely to score other than Sophia Smith. Mallory Pugh, Mallory Swanson gets a brace, and Alex Morgan scores. That's right. never a bad thing. Plus, 
Emily Fox at left back. If there was one A-plus performance in this game for me, it was Emily Fox at left back. And let me tell you why this is so important. Because Crystal Dunn, as we know, is coming back from pregnancy. If Crystal Dunn can't get back to her left back best, they may need the U.S. women another option at left back. Emily Fox is showing us that she can indeed potentially right, be that option, not just defensively, but helping you in attack as well. It also creates a situation, Herc, where Crystal Dunn can be moved upfield to help you in midfield or to help you in that front three because the U.S. needs help in midfield and in the final third. And we know Crystal Dunn is a game changer in that part of the field at club level. So if Emily Fox can lock down left back and free Crystal Dunn to be an attacker, that would be huge for the U.S. women's national team, Herc. C plus, am I being too harsh? No, I think it's just, but you need to put more context into why this is catastrophic in my eyes. Because the C plus doesn't come against England. It doesn't come against Spain. Mm. It's not mm. against a Germany. It's not against a team you think you will face in the quarter semis uh, or even final. It comes against New Zealand. Uh, you can talk about the woeful finishing, but you're still going to bank on Alex right. Morgan. You're still going to bank on Swanson. You're still going to bank on some of those players. Even at Trinity, Trinity Rodman, who got a few assists in this game. Julie Ertz in the middle, I think it's pretty evident what you're missing when Julie Ertz isn't on the field and the lack of really anything to allow them to get going forward, defensively, whatever you want, balance-wise. We sit here, you've sat here and told me how this U.S. Women's National Team is still the favorite mm -hmm. come World Cup time. We've had national team players here and tell us. Sophia Smith was here told us they're still the favorites. Do not disrespect them. I think the rest of the world is caught up. I think okay. the rest of the world technically, tactically, comes to coaching, is there. Vlako hasn't shown me anything since he took charge that would make me think with the talent that he has at his disposal right now, this is a back-to-back -back team. Mm. Back to back to back. What would be so special if they can win it all in 2023, Herc? As we say, plenty of time to get things sorted out. Some big pieces not there. We mentioned Sophia Smith, Megan Rapino, some other players aside from Sam Mewis that are still on the men. So hopefully the U.S. women's national team will be at full strength sooner rather than later. They got another game uh, coming up tomorrow, also against New Zealand. Herc, we got some stadium news from out your way. One that'll affect uh, Angel City as well as LAFC. It's no longer Bank of California Stadium. We can't say, welcome to the bank anymore. Well, it will now be known, Herc, <laughs> as BMO Stadium. Not to be confused, but definitely to be confused with BMO Field in Toronto. That's BMO Stadium, the new home of Angel City FC and LAFC. Diego Lainez's future among the topics of conversation in Mexico at the moment. Of course, out of favor at Braga in Portugal, where he's on loan from Real Betis. The 22-year-old is looking for a landing spot, and it's clear it won't be his former team. Club America executive Santiago Baños has confirmed they won't be bringing Lainez back among the reasons, Banos pointed to high salary demands. Apparently, Linus wants $2 million per season. Herc, are you cool with Santiago Banos speaking out about this failed transfer? Yeah, I'm cool with it 
But it's cowardly from Santiago Baños. It's self-preservation more than anything from Santiago Baños. It's $2 million net, okay, non-taxed. Why is he disclosing this? He also, by the way, said that his agents, pair of them, the agency, Mm -hmm. had a conflict of interest during the negotiations because they were hesitant of bringing him to Club America because they also represent Alejandro Sendejas, and that's a direct competition Mm -hmm. to the spot where Diego Linus plays. He also took a shot at Diego Linus saying, how can he ask for $2 million net when he's played 13 14% of the minutes available to him in the last few years? Shots fired, whatever you want, but he's absolutely right. Why would he say this? It could blow up in his face. I mean, these things are supposed to be kept in-house because the next guy, maybe a memo Ochoa, who you botched said negotiations with, could turn around and say, Oh, Santiago, shall we talk about our negotiations mm. and air out that dirty laundry, how you did him dirty? But this is self-preservation in the sense, could you imagine if Diego Linus ends up at Tigres or Major League Soccer? The uproar from America fans and Mexican national team fans would be insane. And who would be on the hook? Santiago Baños. Why couldn't you get him to Club America? This is Santiago Baños saying... Hey, this isn't yep. on us. This yep. isn't on me. This is the player. This is his camp. So while I'm cool with it, it is cowardly, and he's yep. doing it as self-preservation. I can understand why. Not cool with it, but I can understand why. Because Diego Lainez is a very popular player. And surely America fans are going to say, hey, why didn't we bring this guy back? So here he comes out, and he says the why, right? This guy wants too much money. But when you read into the quotes, and you talked about some of them, there seems to be a lot more than meets the eye to the relationship between Santiago Baños, Diego Lainez, and his agents. He really, really criticizes the agents in his comments, and he says that the move to Real Betis was a tremendous mistake. In fact, Santiago Baños goes as far as to say that had Diego Lainez stayed with Club América, Tata Martino would have seen him Every week, effectively saying that leaving Club America cost Diego Lainez his spot at the World Cup. At some point, and we're seeing this now with Raul Jimenez, right? At the end of your European sojourn, you may end up going back to the club that gave you your start. So maybe it's not now. Maybe it's down the road that Diego Lainez comes back. But that bridge is, is a little bit getting burned now. Who knows if Santiago Baños is still going to be there, Herc, when all that would would come to pass at what I would hope is a very later point in Diego Lainez's career. But, but I think this is pretty ugly from a club that gave Lainez uh, his start. Let's talk about this. What's next for Lainez? And most importantly, what do you think would be best for Diego Lainez at this critical juncture in his career? Europe is so broad. He was at Braga and it didn't work out in Portugal. I don't know where you can go from Braga in Portugal and it would be considered high level in Europe, and people. Whoa, you whoa, whoa! First of all, okay but I got second in Portugal right now. They're gonna be well, playing European football. It's a, it's a quality club. Who's gonna take him? Where do you want to see him? Off of Braga, off, off, off of Portugal. Where's he gonna go? Belgium? And you'd be okay with that, or you, would you say it's a waste for him? You'd be okay with anywhere Belgium? in Europe, anywhere uh, right, in Europe, Croatia, Scandinavia. Poland. Eastern Come Europe, on, anywhere. Come on, he won't. Anywhere. No, because he doesn't want to compromise his wallet. His agents, his family don't want to compromise how well off they are at the moment. So, unless you're at a big club, and Braga's not a big club, they're doing well. But unless you're at a big club who can take that salary demand 
He's going to end up in MLS with Tigres. That's a mm. reality. He will end up with the Houston Dynamo. He will end up with the LA Galaxy. He will end up with Tigres of Liga Mekis. That's a reality. And you know what the worst part is? If he goes to, a, say, Tigres, because that's the one team that's confirmed yep. that would pay the 7 million euros that Betis is looking for, plus his salary demands, if he ends up there, he's not even a starter there. He's not, not going to start over Luis Quinones. Not even close, not, right? Not even close. Luis no. Quinones, Javier Aquino, Nico Lopez, um, the World Cup winner, Tovan. Tovan's I mean, out now. He just he left today. But but Gignac, uh, you know, uh, Diente Lopez, which you mentioned, uh, Andre Pierre Gignac. Uh, yeah. The line there is Nico Ibanez. It's ridiculous. So if you're going to sit the bench in Liga Mekis, stay in Europe. Stay in Europe. Where? He doesn't have a home at Betis. Anywhere. Belgium. You don't think he could go to Holland? There was a lot of interest in Netherlands when he first left Club America. Nobody Remember that. in Holland will touch him if he doesn't drastically reduce his salary demands. That's, that's just a fact. Nobody. Nobody. Okay, let's keep the Liga Mekis transfer talk going. We will move, however, from a player that was once with Club America to a player who may be joining Club America. Reports that America and Pachuca are lining up a swap deal. I love these. Kevin Alvarez would head to Las Aguilas. Federico Viñas, the Uruguayan striker, would head to Pachuca. Herc, in your opinion, who would be the winning team in this trade? I would be Pachuca. And that sounds crazy to think because Viñas, Federico Viñas hasn't really played much in the last, what, three seasons. Hasn't scored too many goals in the last three seasons. Some would say, like, hey, since he had that, you know, COVID outbreak uh, about a season and a half ago, some think he's not the same player. But you look at who they just lost, Nico Ibanez. They just lost mm. their prime goal scorer. The only player dependable on putting the ball on the back of the net for Guillermo Almada, you need somebody, a forward, who can fit the system, fit that bill, I could think of few, honestly, in all of Liga MX that you would say, you know what? I think he fits the bill. And not only do I think he fits the bill, I think Federico Viñas could absolutely kill it with Pachuca. Now, this isn't a knock, this isn't a knock on Kevin Alvarez, but I've seen this before. Young Mexican defender going to Club America from elsewhere within Liga MX and then gets lost in that shuffle. Nothing happens. I've seen Pachuca convert good players and make them into goal scorers, great goal scorers in Pachuca. I've seen that before as well. Pachuca wins this. They win it by a mile. And I hate it, hate <laughs> it, hate it from an America perspective. Let's start with Vinas because I do agree with you that Vinas is a very good player. So in the, in the short term, he may not be a starter. You lose depth, important depth. And in the future, let's remember, he's a young guy. He could someday grow into the full-time starting number nine for Club America if you're willing to keep him around long enough and if he's willing to stay around long enough to find out. I think he has that capability. On top of that, you're letting the player go to one of your chief title rivals. As you say, you're solving their problem for them, right? They sold their star striker. They need a solution. America's presenting that solution to a title rival. I hate that part of it. I love Kevin Alvarez as a player, but I hate his involvement in this as well, okay? Because what does this mean for Club America? If you look at their team right now, Emilio Lara, a 20-year-old right back, is getting important minutes there. He's already got a cap, Herc, with the senior Mexican national team, okay? That's a prospect for the future, not just of Club America, 
but for L3 as well. So what's going to happen to him? Is he now going to get buried behind Kevin Alvarez? Surely you're not making this move to bench Kevin Alvarez or to play him out of position. So Lara then takes a back seat, and it's what we talk about all the time in Liga Mekis and how it affects the national team. Your young players need big opportunities. Being a starting right back at 20 years old for Emilio Lara is a big opportunity, and he would lose that opportunity here to Kevin Alvarez. So I think America, I think Pachuca wins here. I think America loses double, Herc, double. So Emilio Lara is a center back by heart, by trait. So potentially Cáceres could leave. That could be a blessing in disguise. He can slide in there. Uh, with Reyes, but what about the other Reyes, Chava Reyes, who was the man playing in that position? Uh, there are, there's a long list of young Mexican defenders that have gone to Club America and it hasn't panned out. Let me just tell you why I hate this the most. Because Luis Chavez, for example, and I'll give Kevin Alvarez credit mm-hmm. here, when Monterrey wanted him, what did he say? I don't want to play anywhere else in Liga MX but Pachuca. Yep. When I leave, I want to go to Europe. Kevin Alvarez essentially said the same thing. But if their hand is being forced because they're solving the issue, as you just said, with their nine in Vinas, yeah. and they throw some money at him, you don't know if that changes with Kevin Alvarez. You don't know if they say, hey, look at Jorge Sanchez. He went to Europe from America. If that could somehow sway him, that to me is more detrimental than Emilio Lara, or sorry, uh, Lara going elsewhere, uh, going to a different position, or having to wait. I really do think the complexities of this go far beyond than just yep. a simple trade. And we think of Kevin Alvarez as a young player, Herc. In terms of a European move, he is not that young. He's 24 years yeah. old. So to your point, you make the jump now from Pachuca to America. It's, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's historically a jump. It's probably a jump in pay. Absolutely. But the pay. chance to make the jump to Europe, that window, even for a guy like Kevin Alvarez... Uh, coming off a World Cup, is is closing by the minute. So uh, very interested to see if this swap deal comes to fruition because they always get reported, Herc, but somehow they, they never seem to come to fruition. Let's see if this one does. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it does not. Let's run it back with some members of L3 who had success in Europe, and by some I mean one. Orbelin Pineda, who scored in his third straight game, uh, IK winning the first leg of the quarterfinal in the Greek Cup. So, Matias Almeida and Aike, they're killing it. Orbelin Pineda's killing it. Matias get gets a contract extension. There's no way he goes back to Celta, right? I, they're, they're purchasing him. Or maybe somebody else will buy him. But yes, seems like Celta's not the place. His seventh goal of the season. Might have an L3 showdown in La Liga on ESPN Plus this weekend. Cesar Montes and Espanol against Andres Guardado's Real Betis. That on Saturday. Don't miss it right here on ESPN+. It's official. Joseph Martinez making the move to Inter-Miami from Atlanta United. The 29-year-old former Golden Boot winner signs as a free agent after Atlanta bought out his contract, which opens up a designated player spot for them. He'd been with Atlanta since the beginning. One MLS Cup, League MVP, and Golden Boot in 2018. Just nine goals, though, last year as Atlanta missed the playoffs. Here's Joseph Martinez on the convo that brought him to Miami. The first goal, uh, I feel, I, I have a conversation with him when I have in, in Atlanta. We, we face again a couple times and he tried to say, oh, when you have to come here and I say, well, one day and this is possible. 
Uh, he just went to he, he went to a training very good day by day, and then, then he he only won a score. That's his, I think that's is the point. That's why one of the uh, the auction to come here to uh, score and uh, win trophy. All right, that's what Joseph Martinez is saying. What about Carlos Bocanegra, of course? One of the leaders at Atlanta United. On Martinez moving to Inter-Miami, quote, that was discussed quite a bit. It's definitely not a place we would prefer him to go. In-conference, rival, they're a very ambitious club. That really was not an ideal situation for us. Bocanegra continued, maybe we could have been really nasty in this situation on our side and just kind of held out. Held out and not done something like that. Joseph means a lot to this club. Interesting, Herc. Help us read between the lines there. Should Carlos Bocanegra get lost or is he speaking the truth? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Both? <laughs> I, he, my man needs to get lost for speaking the truth. There are mm-hmm. some things that are better just left unsaid. Now, he's absolutely right. Joseph Martinez does mean a lot to that club. Mm-hmm. And they could have been very nasty with Joseph Martinez. It made it very difficult to go to an in-conference rival. And oh, they weren't, so why are you telling him to get lost? Because you don't need to say it. Like, what are you going to say? Like, hey... Be happy we let him go. We could have made things really nasty. Like, that. just don't say anything. That's why I'm saying get lost. But he's speaking the truth because you asked me, he's speaking the truth. Yeah, he's speaking the truth. Wait but a get sec, lost Herc. for saying it. Wait a second, Herc. Atlanta United fans are going to see their guy. And you know Atlanta United fans. They love Joseph Martinez. Of course. They're going to see their guy go to a, I don't know, really rival, pseudo rival. Conference rival, I said. Pseudo rival in Inter-Miami. They're not going to be happy. Carlos Bocanegra is attempting to explain why he allowed this player I'm to go you. to a rival. It, Just don't it makes say sense, anything. at least, doesn't it? It, it? it makes sense if you're talking, if this is Carlos Bocanegra talking to Garth Hardaway. He's talking to the fans. He's talking to the Atlanta fans. That's where it here. doesn't make sense. That's why I mean, you asked me, is he telling the truth? Yes, he's telling the truth. He could. They could have done all that. They could have mm-hmm. done all that. But get lost because. Why would you even say it? Well, you're just going to anger and rile up the fan base even more. Now, let me tell you something, okay? Garth Lagerwey coming to Atlanta United is a game changer for the fans, is a game changer for that ownership, for the organization, for Gonzalo Pineda. But the biggest game changer is for Carlos Bocanegra. There is credibility that comes with Garth Lagerwey. Let him do what he does. 
Carlos Bucanegra has been taking a lot of heat over the years. Some of that absolutely deserved. The coaching hires, and you can go back to look at everybody after Tata Martino, DeBoer, Heinze, Gonzalo Pineda, everything that went down. At the root of all that was turmoil with Joseph Martinez. Everybody who possibly was there from the past is gone. With that, the accomplishments. So you bring in somebody who knows what he's doing in Garth Lagaway. This is a blessing for everybody, mm. especially Carlos Bocanegra. I tell you what, I got to applaud Atlanta United here. They, they took care of a club legend. And whether you like Bocanegra talking about it or not, Herc, and I can understand, he's coming up breaking his arm, patting himself on the back here, saying how, how nice he and Atlanta United were. I like the fact that Arthur Blank, who has given Joseph Martinez already a lot, says, look, Joseph Martinez is a, is a great player who's going to go to a rival, and I'm willing to buy him out and facilitate that because I want my club legends to feel like they're still part of this, right? Like they have the respect. I don't think we see that enough around Major League Soccer. I don't know that we see it enough around the rest of the world. This is, to me, a sign of respect from Atlanta United. Is it respect to Joseph or respect to the fans? I'm asking you what you think, which one it is. Can it be both? Can it be both? Pick one. More, More Joseph. More Joseph. I think, I think fans would have understood. This would not have been the first team to say, sorry, legend, we're not going to send you to our rivals. Sorry, sorry. You, you can go somewhere else in MLS, but you know, try, try a Western Conference team or somebody we don't really care about, right? Somebody we have no yeah, geographic ties with. you think Atlanta fans care about inner Miami? I think they might. I think they might care when they see Joseph Martinez in an inner Miami shirt. I'll tell you that much. All right, let's focus in on inner Miami. Do you think Joseph Martinez is an upgrade over Pipita Higuain? Uh, Pre-Joseph ACL tear in 2020? Today, today, dealing the reality of today. That's the thing. That's the issue. So with Joseph Martinez comes a certain level of turmoil, uh, of havoc. Of risk. The risk as well. The good and the bad. I'm looking, you can look at this chart right here. Go look at the graphic. The goal scored. Joseph coming into the league, a menace. I mean, first year, 19, second year, 31, third year, 27 goals. And in 2020, obviously injured, only played one game, zero goals. 2021, 12 goals. 2022, nine goals. So it's been going from good, great, to few. And the few may be some bangers like that, but they're still the few. And you go look at Federico Higuain, I'm going for Federico Higuain, excuse me. Gonzalo Higuain, that's his brother. <laughs> Shout out. Great player in his own right. Pipita is the opposite. He started slow, and towards the end, he bettered every yes. single year. Yes. Despite his 36 years of age, Joseph's 29. But we've not seen the same Joseph on the field since the knee injury. We've seen the same Joseph off the field. Right, And right. that's part of the risk, but we've not seen the same Joseph on the field. I would love to see the same Joseph on the field yep. because it's one of the most exciting players that's ever graced a Major League Soccer field. But he's not been there for at least two and a half years. Talk about a chip on a guy's shoulder. I do not want to bet against a motivated Joseph Martinez. And I'm sure, because we know how it went down last year in Atlanta throwing the chicken in the rice, he is going to be motivated. He's going to be very motivated. But statistically, it's, it's very unlikely he's going to be an upgrade from Higuain. 
Because we look at it last year and we say, wow, what a, what a great second half of the season he had last year. But it's really his last two years, as you mentioned. 16 goals last year, 12 the year before. He had three assists last year. I think he had seven the year before that. So if you average that out, that's 14 goals, five assists. That's what Joseph Martinez has to hit to at least match the productivity of Pipita Higuain. And they made Higuain. the playoffs. He hasn't, he hasn't hit 14 goals since 2019. Yeah. He hasn't hit 14 goals since the knee injury. So now, I, 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 I love the Joseph Martinez story. It's going to add to the rivalry. I hope he has a great season, but it's hard for me to see him doing more than Pipita. One thing in Joseph's favor. Two things, okay? Grass. No more turf. Actual grass field, okay? And the change of scenery that is South Beach. A happy Joseph Martinez. That could be Martinez. a distraction, too, huh? Cuidado. That could be a distraction, you know, if you're Sebi Salazar in Miami. Ah, steady, steady. But a change of scenery, a happy uh -huh. Joseph Martinez, that could be scary. Okay. Inter-Miami didn't score a whole bunch of goals last year. 47 goals and 34. So, so not exactly an explosive offense there. Let's see if Joseph Martinez can help them out. All right, Monday, big show for you. Jesus Ferreira. His interview from MLS Media Day. We'll run that and react to it. We'll be previewing United States against Serbia, plus recapping all the weekend action. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. Thanks for watching, and we will see you back here Monday, live on ESPN+. Plus.